0: This is the Third Eye High Podcast. We deal with a higher consciousness, flyer culture. I am your host, JF Bay, and I'm just here to shine my light your way to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. As we continue on with the book report series, I got another awesome book I want you guys to add to your library. This is coming from the author, J.A. Rogers. We uh, reviewed earlier in the series his book, uh, 100 Amazing Facts About the Negro, and today's installment, uh, Nature Knows No Color Line. Nature Knows No Color Line by J. Rogers. Powerful, powerful piece of literature to add to your libraries, because when we speak of this color line, right, the world wasn't referred to as color for most of timeline and it wasn't until a later part of you know I would say closer to the 70s when we started to really call ourselves black or someone called us black and we adopted the misnomer because before that if you called someone black before 1969 you would have a fight right it was a derogatory term right because we were adopting the term Negro, right? The Negro, right? Everything was the Negro, right? And then before that it was colored. They called you a colored person. Now, colored, if you look up the word color in a law dictionary, right? Because it's about breaking spells. Color, the semblance of assembly, acrum, that which appears to be, but not real in reality a deceptive appearance a disguise and then the then the second half of the definition reads (laughs) descendants of Africa descendants of Africans or descendants from African whatever the hell that means but if the first half of the definition tells you this is a deceptive appearance a disguise something that's not real in reality and then you Give a whole race of people this particular misnomer. It serves to say that you're making these people non descendable. You're taking the people from the land. Henceforth, they never stole you from a the land, they stole the land from you because the original inhabitants of the Americas were melanated indigenous people, i.e., so called black people. And it's a reason why they had to call you this black thing. Now, Inside the book Nature Knows No Color Line It shows uh, Melanated people On all continents And it speaks of shows a lot of pictures Depictions and uh, paintings And uh, statues and sculptures And stuff dating back thousands of years That show all Melanated people But they weren't referred to as black persons But That came later And that was for a particular reason It was to separate the people in all the lands because if you've seen melanated people in Germany these people are called Germans but you would you know oh they're black and and these people don't want to be black and they don't want to identify as black like we identify. when before 1969 we didn't identify as black either in fact even the black panthers the, the symbol was the panther and we referred to, yeah, black people that later caught on after 1969, this was after they killed Martin Luther King, after they killed Malcolm X, right, and a lot of our political uh, prisoners, leaders, shit, they killed the president, they killed the president's brother, like, it was, it was a crazy decade, and it ended off that way, and then in the 70s, they brought in dope, and all the, the hoods, you know, flooded the hoods, and the parents were strung out on dope, and then they had a lot of the, the black exploitation movies, and everyone was a pimp or a dope dealer, and, you know, all this stuff was pushed on our community to destroy it, because the the the, the leaders that, you know, all passed, the, the Martins, the Malcolms, and the revolutionary fighters that all were killed during that era, going into the 70s, now the new heroes were the dope dealers, the pimps, the pushers. And the young kids looked up to that because people were dealing with mass poverty in the country, right? And shit, you throw some drugs in the middle of a project and you tell the people, well, that's how you can eat. But you don't tell them that, you know, you're going to suck the life out of your community. You're going to kill probably 80% of the people living around you to make your livelihood. And they pushed a lot of these gangster movies and Scarface would later come You know, and all this was geared around, you know, genocide, wiping out of people and, you know, silent wars. And they did it by pushing individualism, right, to where before that we were talking about us coming up together as a people, as a community. And we looked out for our communities. In fact, many of the gangs were started because we were dealing with a lot of racism, a lot of so-called angry white mobs used to terrorize our people, or pick fights, and you know, all kind of shit. Remember that they had the the military escorting two so-called black students into a school when they didn't want the schools to be segregated. So, a lot of the stuff we created, the gangs and all that, was family, was community protection. They all started out with good cause. And then, you know, of course, the government (laughs) usurped that idea, and the gangs turned into us killing ourselves. But it's weird because even after we tried to have a truce, you know, after the Watts riots and all that and the Rodney King situation and, you know, the the young gangs in uh, California, they had a truce. And that truce lasted a few months you know, because the police didn't, couldn't have that. We need more funding from, you know, government programs and we need crime to be rampant on the streets. So what they would do, they would lock up some of the top uh leaders in the gang ride around in their cars and do drive-bys against their ops and their neighborhoods so the ops would see or their rival gang would see oh shit i thought we had a truce i just saw so-and-so's car riding through the hood shooting up shit so then the truce was off and then that never happened again until later when you know it's rumored that Nipsey Hussle was supposed to be meeting with the LAPD and all this stuff the, you know, the day he died in talks of, you know, unifying the gangs. And he tried that, you know. He was, you know, linking up with the the rapper uh, YG, you know, which was a blood and he's a crip. So these guys did music together. So they were pushing this, you know, young culture to, you know, well, what happened if we unify? What if we all came together and just got some money and looked out for, for each other? And music industry can't have that. The government can't have that. So not to say it was all tied together, but it's very weird that, you know, Nipsey would meet his, uh, untimely demise and no more talks of this, uh, gang unification. None of that stuff ever happened. In fact, Nipsey was the, the, the only person that was going to fund the Dr. Sebi documentary, right? And Dr. Sebi was a person that cured multiple diseases or rather allowed the body to heal itself from these so-called incurable diseases, and this documentary never came out. We had uh, Nick Cannon saying, you know, I'm going to take the reins of this documentary. Well, uh, we're going up to four-year anniversary. March 31st is actually my solar return, the same day Nipsey passed, but that would be four years since Nipsey has been gone, and still no Dr. Sebi documentary, <laughs> and Nick got the money to do it, but Remember, you're not going to ruffle feathers of the people that that cut your checks. And I get that, but I'm just uh, you know, setting this intro for a particular reason because it's just showing the parallel between the things that happened in the past and the things that are continuing to happen moving closer into the future. So now, nature knows no color line. Now, to, to premise this, there's a, another great documentary I want you guys to check out. It's on uh, Hulu. It's uh, the Harlem uh, the Harlem Cultural Festival. And it was the very first one, 1969. You got a lot of the young emerging so-called black artists, melanated artists, and they were using their music as a weapon to fight against oppression, right? You had a young uh, Stevie Wonder at the time. He was 19 years old, and he would see a lot of the artists older than him that you know made less money than him at the time because remember he would grow on to be this big time powerhouse for generations and these artists were using their music as a weapon to fight against oppression and young Stevie was influenced by that he would later to go on to donate a lot of money to fight civil rights he would you know march in protests he would you know fund a lot of the the causes to help our people fight this form of oppression and in fact he would use a lot of his music to do it his message uh, was always socially conscious and at that particular festival this was like maybe uh, a summer you know where they had a few uh, dates on the festival, and this particular thing was like the first so called Black Woodstock. And that was in Morris Park in Harlem, where you had 50,000 melanated people, you know, all from the islands. You had Puerto Ricans, you had Caribbeans, you had Cubans, you had Jamaicans, you, you had to, the melanated so called Americans, right? So called African Americans, indigenous people. But everyone was there coming together in unity, all to show a commonality with this music and the music was revolutionary and that particular period this was a time now my mother and father would have been (laughs) preteens at the time you know attending this festival but it was showing a period in in american history where the soul was still in the music right the artist wasn't getting paid that much but like they had the passion and they meant what they were saying they wasn't just trying to get a hit record and you know sell out their community they was talking about something and the the, the highlight artist of the time was Nina Simone and she was on her revolutionary shit like she had a song Young Gifting and Black it was about empower, empowering the young kids and she had a poem they went with it and the poem was like straight revolutionary. She was like "You young people are you ready to tear this shit up if you have to? You ready to kill if you have to? But she wasn't inciting violence she was saying We know who the enemy is, and we gotta fight this with all we got, and we can't be distracted, and we have to be unified, and that's where our strength is, and it was a powerful quote that she said, she says, uh, you're not an artist if you don't reflect the times, right, if you don't reflect the times, you can't be an artist, now look at the artists of today, with all the shit we're dealing with, and the three years scamdemic, and all this crazy shit that's taking place, Not one artist has put out a song to go against what's happening. Not one artist has put out a song that speaks to the pain that people are going through. And people being forced to take vaccines and people dying from the vaccines. Nobody's addressed any of this shit. So how can you be an artist if you don't reflect the times? Which shows you that these artists get paid the big bucks. Because at the time in the 60s, they wasn't getting paid nothing for their music. They were getting robbed. Now, these pioneers kicked open the door for these artists of today to make shitloads of money, but they only get paid to keep you distracted. None of these artists are socially conscious. Even the so called conscious rappers ain't talking about shit. The J. Coles, the Kendricks, and even one of these brothers put out a song speaking of what the hell's going on today. And it shows you that a lot of these artists are compromised because many of them are. Fueled by this machine that's ran by these big corporations. Many of these corporations that benefit from the conditions they keep opposing, imposing on our people. So, I mentioned that to mention this, but check out that documentary. It's a powerful documentary. And for like 30, 40 years, shit, since it's been recorded in 1969, this uh, footage has never resurfaced. And uh, shots out to the drummer from the roots, Quest Love. He's the director of this documentary, and you know he got together and uh you know partnered up with Fulu so we could actually see this footage. And man, you just see a sea of of melanated people, man, fifty thousand plus, you know, no violence, no nothing, and we all just getting down. You know, you got artists like Mahalia Jackson, you you, you got uh, uh Sly and the Family Stones. you got all these different uh artists emerging that they all were socially conscious in the music. See, once they realized that the music was moving us into a direction of liberation, a direction of freedom, they had to change the message and the music. Henceforth today, a lot of talented artists, but they are not talking about shit. They ain't talking about nothing that matters to your people, nothing that matters to the future of these babies. In fact, they're leading the babies often on the wrong path on purpose because that's the only way they can earn a dollar but nature knows no color line let's get into this and the cover of the book has a picture of Queen Charlotte right Sophia Charlotte and Charlotte North Carolina was named after this sister and she is a sister when you see the features because you know they whitewashed a lot of the history they say they buried our history they they, they stole our culture they did this by changing our names we're the only people in history who have six or seven different names to refer to a population of melanated people so-called black people right now they changed our names and they whitewashed a lot of the history so a lot of the lands were named after our people predates the colonies a lot of uh you know these royals royal families were actually our families see now queen charlotte was in fact mixed right so now this sister looked like she could be beyonce's great grandmother right look at the features and everything but you see the 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 contrast where a lot of the lands were named after our people and a lot of this history was hidden because she wasn't referred to as black see when you don't give someone this modern name, you start to disconnect yourself from the history that predates you. So now, let's look at uh, Charlotte, per se, right? I'll give you some footnotes about uh, the city of Charlotte before we uh, get into this powerful book by J. A. Rogers. Now, the city of Charlotte is uh, very fascinating because a lot of the history is still there but you gotta do some digging and you gotta know where you're looking, right? The Queen City has lived up to its long established nickname since its founding in 1768, when America was still under British rule, right? Remember the British colonies, but we're talking about melanated people on both sides of the water. Since King George III's wife was named Queen Charlotte, the nickname came built into the city's identity. Even after America gained independence in 1776, Charlotte held on to the nickname because it fits this state, stately southern gem, which the rich Carlton Charlotte describes as being apt, given the city's majestic array of charm and style as the 17th uh, largest city by population. Right. 17th largest city by population. And it's no coincidence that the city is heavily populated by melanated people that have been there through generations. Wasn't brought from Africa to the land. You were there before the colony was there. As Malcolm X said, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock, Plymouth Rock landed on us. Plymouth was the first so called settlement colony, and he's saying we were here before that shit was established. So it, it serves to say why would I go to another land to take people to bring them on the land that don't know the land? How could they plant crops? How could they work the land? if? It's easier to just get people who were on the land for generations, right? As the 17th largest city by population in the United States, Charlotte's tall skyscrapers in stature as one of the financial center capitals of the world, just like New York City is, right? The financial hub. And it serves to say why they would name it after the queen, right? Where a lot of the money would be circulating in and out. But long before these buildings and banking giants put roots in Charlotte, the city had to fight for her nickname against a city from the north, Cincinnati, Ohio. So Cincinnati, Ohio was also a city named after the Queen. Even though they did not adopt the nickname until 1819, 51 years after. They coined the descriptor, Cincinnati tried to claim it as well, because people had started calling it the Queen of the West. So they referred to Cincinnati as the Queen of the West to copy after uh, Charlotte, which was also named after Queen Charlotte, Charlotte Sophia, Sophia, Charlotte, right? And <laughs> so now, yes, like the Queens before her, the city of Charlotte fought and has won the right to retain the nickname. Sure, some Cincinnatians still refer to the city as such, but many believe that, if anything, Cincinnati should go by the Queen of the West, the full nickname cemented in history by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow in his, pe- in his poem, uh, Catawab Wine. And like most good queens, Charlotte and Cincinnati have maintained this feud for centuries. One of the most recent spectacles of this long-standing rival occurred during the 2014 Cincinnati Bengals versus the Charlotte Carolina Panthers. See, a lot of this, uh, a lot of this history gets played out in sports, right? The, the Cleveland Indians versus the Chiefs, and all this other crazy shit. You had. The Charlotte Carolina Panthers. Now, just think of that. Carolina Panthers. What color is the Panther? I.e. the Black Panthers. But then Charlotte, right? So it's showing that these melanated people are originally of the land. So now they had these particular cities fighting against each other. So it's like melanated people's energy on both sides, right? Because all of the football players are melanated people. Now, the NFL football game, when the city's mayor waged that whichever team won would get to be the rightful owner to the nickname. So they had a football game to say, yo, we going to decide who gets to keep the name Charlotte after the queen or the queen of the West. So now, however, the game ended in a tie score of 37 to 37. Something that seldom happens in professional American football. Now, we already know that a lot of the sports is scripted and staged. It's all staged. Right? A lot of gambling, a lot of people make money. They already know, you know, how to call certain plays on the field and you know, all of that shit just happens to be in the person's favor that knows the outcome of the game. Don't think none of this has led to chance. Again, Charlotte has fought off a challenge to her nickname. Uh, proving once again that the title Queen City belongs to her. It has two other lesser-known nicknames. One being the Hornets Nest, right? The Hornets. Remember the Charlotte Hornets? All of this stuff is tribute to the Queen, Queen Charlotte, who is a sister. The Hornets Nest, a moniker imposed on them by an angry British general during the Revolutionary War. So that name goes all the way back to the Revolutionary War. They since changed the name of the the basketball team that used to be called the Charlotte Hornets, uh, which uh, started just seven years after Charlotte was founded in 1768. Charlotte has embraced that rebellious spirit and used the nickname for their NBA team. After stints away from their hometown, upon the team's final return to Charlotte, people also started calling it Buzz City, Buzz City as a buzzing of a hornet, those in the city's burgeoning craft beverage scene probably like that one, yet many true blue charlatans will always consider Queen City as their favorite, so they always nickname Charlotte Queen City after the Queen. Charlotte talks, the Queen City was named after England's Queen Sophia Charlotte. Queen City is named after Queen Charlotte, wife of England's King George III, also melanated. But who was but who was she, and why did we have her name? Queen Sophia Charlotte may have been of mixed heritage with African ancestors. As the city approaches its 250th anniversary, we found out more about her namesake. We all know the Queen City was named after Queen Charlotte, wife of Mad King George III, but why and who was she? When the town was chartered in 1768, King George and Queen Charlotte ruled the colonies. See what's going on? Now, when British rule happened, they had a lot of indentured servants. They had a lot of so-called white slaves working the colonies. When America gets its independence, this indentured servitude would dissipate and it would turn into chattel slavery. It would turn into generational slavery and it would be imposed solely on melanated people. Kind of the changing of the guard, so to speak. King George and Queen Charlotte ruled the colonies. In order to stay in the king's good graces, the locals named their new township Charlottetown in honor of the queen. They also named the county after her German homeland, Mecklenburg Straits. Mecklenburg, right? She was also part German. All of this is key because we're talking of bloodlines. But she couldn't be of royalty if she didn't have so-called melanated blood. It's doubtful the royals even noticed, but early charlatans tried nonetheless. In order to stay in the king's good graces, the locals named the new township Charlottetown in honor of the queen, right? Though we happily call Charlotte the queen city today, most charlatans know little about the namesake. Queen Sophia Charlotte has a fascinating and surprising history. Queen of Britain and, and Ireland for 57 years. She was well-educated, a philanthropist, and an early patron of Mozart. Mozart also Melanie. Right Frizzy hair They called him swarthy Right This was all terms that uh, Denoted to black But it was before They called people black So they hid a lot of These people's uh, Ancestry Now they saying She was the queen of Ireland And we talk about The king Last king of Scotland There was a movie uh, Last king of Scotland Played by Forest Whitaker So you always get Melanated people To play in these Particular roles But we don't see The connection Because you don't Refer to them as black So they separate you from the people and they separate you from the history. When Prince Harry announced his engagement to American actress Meghan Markle, commentators declared she would be the first biracial biracial royal. But historians said not so fast. Queen Charlotte is believed Queen Charlotte is believed to have mixed heritage with African ancestry. Our guest today, Dr. Stephanie Myers, author of Invisible Queen, says the Queen's history has been hidden in plain sight and believes she's an aspiring character who should be recognized for her accomplishments. So now, when they spoke of the, the Meghan Markle and uh, Prince Harry and all this, and people were thinking that you know she was marrying into royalty when it was the other way around, she's actually related to Queen Charlotte, my bloodline. So it was him that was actually marrying into real royalty because you have to have so-called black blood to be of a royal bloodline. And that's the secret. Queen Elizabeth, all them frizzy hair and all this shit, she was swarthy, so to speak. They all are mixed. And that's the only way they could take of the crown. And this is what they hide. So in order for them to replace the true royal bloodline, they got to cut you off from the bloodline. They got to say you came from another land entirely. Interesting shit. So let's get into this, shall we? Nature Knows No Color Line by J.A. Rogers. So I'm just going to bounce around to a few excerpts in the book. And I encourage everybody to pick this book up because it shows a lot of uh, pictures of the older statues that predate... America itself, right, that it predates the, uni- the creation of the United States, predates the colonies, right, so now, before you were calling these people black, yeah, you had black statues, but the people's identity was not that of black, this is something that came later, because before 1681, they wasn't referring to these people as white, that was a class status that came later, the Naturalization Act of 1790, the Naturalization Act of 1870, all of this was by way of legislation that these people took an oath to become so-called U.S. citizens alright well let's set the premise here notes of the black Madonna the worship of a black woman as the mother of the human race goes back to the dimmest antiquity it seems Eman T ancient faiths volume 2 page 267 1868, says that vulva, the portal through which life passes and emerges out into the world is black among all Oriental nations. Asiatic, so-called black man, right? All of these terms fit. Its color, therefore, is appropriate to the female creator, the mother of gods and men, from whom all things spring. If we turn to the Hebrew, we see that it supports me in the idea. We find the word shahar or sh- or shakar, which signifies to be black. So we're all talking about a description, dark skin, but it's not speaking of an identity like a black race or nothing like that. that all that stuff is propaganda. In volume one, page 159, he mentions an old black Venus. Now Venus, right, the planet Venus corresponds with love the heart chakra and our holy day is friday on the sixth day man was created in god's image right on the sixth day god created man now venus friday the planet of love corresponds with the heart chakra We're speaking of the great mother so they referred to her as old black venus who was later worshipped as the virgin of amadou See page 105, for for Diana of the Ephesians mentioned her in the Bible. See, they they speak of these melanated people in the Bible because the Bible is a collection of stories of our ancestorship that they whitewashed. Henceforth, why they show you this crazy picture of so-called Yahshua or Jesus, right? When the description in the book doesn't match the painting. And that was all by design. Vidi, Vidi, Vici, right? In this sign we conquer. We're talking about the Roman church that would use the religious books to subjugate the people. But they just made you a slave to their interpretation. Because all through the book, it tells on the people that's pimping the book. Matthew 15, 8. Matthew 15, 8. They confess my name with their tongue, but deny me in their hearts. A lot of people getting paid off the religious word, but they're not living to the letter. The earliest traditions of the saviors of mankind, from the Buddhists to Jesus, depict them as black. The oldest statue of the Buddha, you know, before the one with the big belly laughing, they show a picture of a Buddha with dark skin, with locks in his hair. Eisler R. says that jo- Josephus, Jewish historian, of the first century said that Christ was a man of simple appearance, mature age, dark skin, with little hair, about four and a half feet or 54, 58 inches tall, hunchback with a long face and undeveloped beard. He says this appearance in the uh, reconstructed original Helios. The third, the early Christians, he says, accepted that picture including uh, Tertullian and Augustine. But the Helios underwent the usual corrections at the hands of the Christians, copyists with a view to embellishment. The Christians had gained power and they had been mighty. Christ had become a king and it would be no longer suit to portray him as an unimpressive in appearance. So he was just an everyday regular looking man. When now people worshiped him as this king, and now the church wanted to take it over, so they had to recreate the image in their likeness to now take over the faith of the people. So now you're worshiping church and state, one and the same. The original text, right, would give offense to believing Christians and their Hellenistic idea of male beauty. Therefore they changed the pen picture of Christ to ruddy, beautiful mouth, uh copacious uh beard, right? The, the guy Caesar Brojur, which was an artist, they used his actual image to create this so called image of Jesus, which uh contradicts the description of Jesus in the scripture. <laughs> they forgot to change that. But if you look for the truth, seek and you shall find. A portrait of Christ entirely apocalyptical and with absolute no foundation in truth was conceived somewhere in the lines of a European artist according to European ideals of beauty and that seemed to have served as concept for thousands of pictures that since followed. Since the first one or ones were entirely the product of imagination, it follows that all the rest are their own value in artistic. Their own value is artistic. Uh, Pergoat says, these remain, uh, there remains nothing authentic upon the exterior appearance of Christ. Researchers histories uh, of Jesus Christ, he, he says also that neither St. Augustine nor Tertullian thought Jesus good looking. <laughs> right? So he's saying it was a an image that he was just our everyday looking person and then they tried to you know make him like this model looking figure and shit. So we're gonna we're gonna bounce around, right? Intermingling uh intermixing of whites and blacks in ancient Rome. So we're speaking of these indigenous people, these melanated people of Rome. So the original Romans had dark skin. See a lot of this stuff was changed, a lot of the statues they later would create. These statues aren't as old as they want you to believe that they have in these museums. So what they did was whitewash the people. Plato, Aristotle, all of these uh, great philosophers of the time had dark skin. (laughs) All I gotta do is make a so-called white statue and now I bury the history and recreate a note. Intermixture of whites and blacks in ancient Rome. Rome was a melting pot, second in variety only to the United States and Brazil. All the races of the world met and mingled there. Rome traded with China, so there was probably Chinese too. If you go back to so-called China, you'll see melanated people as well. The original Chinese were called Manchurians, right? But go go check out earlier in the book report series because I cover a book, uh, "How to Hide an Empire," and it speaks of these indigenous people of all the lands that just were renamed after the land was stolen. Rome traded with China, so there were probably Chinese too. Droves of Fair Britons, Celts, Gauls, and, and Teutons, Slavs, Spaniards, Moors, Persians, Egyptians, Ethiopians, Sudanese, and Negritans were brought to Rome, Martial, AD, 40 through 102 mentions uh, the Carsians, Sumerians, people from the Nile Nile River as its source Arabs, Sabians, Sicilians, Sicumbrians, Germans with twisted hair and Ethiopians with woolly hair as among the people to see people to see the game so we're talking about all these different races, that were mixing in, you know, the Coliseum, right? And the Coliseum would be kind of New York City now, right? They they fashioned Madison Square Garden after the structure of the Coliseum, right? Where everybody gathered to see the games. And this is Rome 2.0, right? When Rome fell, Rome just moved to the United States. And the same way in New York City is like the melting pot where you'll find so many different mixing of races. Same concept. Modern historians in uh, Carcopino, Franks, Barrow and Dure mention Rome's racial variety. All the barbaric people, all the conquered were represented, says Dure. Slaves were so numerous in Rome, says Finney, that we required the services of nomenclature even to tell us the names of our servants. The Negroes were brought principally from Greece, uh, Carthage, Egypt, the Sudan, and Morocco. See, they're referring to them as Negroes. But now, you're talking about all these mixing of people that were from these particular lands. So, if you were a so-called Negro in Greece, you were Greek. Did you see what's going on? A lot of these Greek philosophers, they all had melanated skin. But, when you try to add this to this so-called slavery story and this American thing... And this black racism thing, you you look at the people as different groups of people. But they were melanated people on all the continents. See, that's the hoax they tell you that they just took you from Africa. When it was people in America that looked like the same color as the people in Africa. But color was not your identity. It was only a description. The Negroes were brought principally from Greece, Carthage, Egypt, the Sudan, and Morocco. Like the whites and near whites see if you were mixed they called you near white (laughs) interesting and the near whites from the east they were processed first through the great slave market on the isles of Delos and later through uh, through Corinth and Carthage Rome itself became still later the greatest slave market of antiquity right and also america would become that second slave market right in fact wall street right on the steps of wall street right they were the stock exchange before it was a stock exchange it was the human stock exchange because many of these fortune 500 companies today they were the trading companies of old now what is a trading company like the east indian company the, the, the virginia tobacco company they were leasing out human labor of all shades didn't matter your race That shit was, if I enslaved your people, you became something I sold. See how this works? Goes on to say, um, Rome itself became still later the greatest slave market of antiquity. Strabo says that as many as 10,000 slaves a day were sold in Rome of all nationalities. White and blacks were sold indiscriminately. See, it was all about what skill the person had that I could pledge their labor, get what I'm saying, into these fraudulent uh, indentured servitude contracts where, you know, you would pledge a person's labor for a duration. Remember the movie 12 Years a Slave? All of that was talking about the two systems of slavery because first before it was chattel slavery where they put you in fraudulent contracts generationally and... You know, perpetuated this slavery generationally on your people where mother, father child, grandchild all that would be locked into these contracts it was a system of indentured servitude where there would be like maybe 7 years, 12 years stuff like that and after your contract you were supposed to be compensated i.e. acres of land a lot of that didn't happen in fact the elite would keep these uh, fraudulent contracts going and just keep adding more time so the people ended up into this system of chattel slavery but it started out first as just a business and they was enslaving all kind of people slaves were employed not only menal tasks at sh- as street cleaners but as actors tutors secretaries counselors and physicians among occupations of negroes as named by roman writers were actors dancers so someone could have you as their so-called slave or their indentured servant you were contracted to them you might have been an actor of that time a dancer Hmm, sounds crazy right because of today you got actors writers entertainers artists in these same kind of slave-like contracts by the same people of rome Music industry, Hollywood, all that shit is just an extension, an extension, an extended appendage of the Roman Empire. Nothing's changed. Because they all still pay homage to the Queen. That bag still gets washed through the city of London, where the financial hub is. So, they had different occupations. Negroes, as named by Roman writers, were actors, dancers, acrobats, soldiers, gladiators, right? Out of them fought in the Colosseum, they were slaves. And you you look at the movie Gladiator, it depicts that with uh, Russell Crowe. Phenomenal movie. But it shows they had slaves from all different lands. If I conquered your land, I enslaved the people there. That's just how it worked. It didn't matter the color of the people. And they sold you into this because that shit was a business. Uh, Charioteers, uh, letter bearers, bath attendants, cooks. These were all the different professions which are professions today, which people are still contracted in, right? Many of these uh, professions, they don't have unions because they want to keep perpetrating these fraudulent contracts on the people. Nothing's changed. Now people uh, went from chattel slavery to wage uh, debt slaves. Same shit. Waiters, uh, domestics, uh, divers, boot blacks, and the like. Others were conductors of elephants who sometimes were of high military rank. See, they they enslaved generals and all kind of people and and used their service. Some slaves rose to be rulers and all but name, such as Carcopino, were often gorged with wealth and honors as Nakaris and Euelis who held absolute authority in Caesar's name above the wealth and life of his subjects. Two others mentioned by Jovino was Licinius and Copernicus. The latter favor of Dormitini was erroneously rich. He was an Egyptian. Jovino called him one of the dregs of the Nile. The color of these powerful ex-slaves were not given but some were undoubtedly Negroes. That they were dark skinned is clear. It was the custom to whiten with chalk the naked feet of newly arrived slaves exposed for sale. Such slaves it appears from Jovino were those from the East. Certainly the feet of those already white as blind ones from the North would not be whitened. Pliny mentions Pallas also coming with whitened feet. Polydibius and Jovino does so as of Licinius and Chrysopinus. Thus, freedman of year of Emperor Claudinus, was lover of the empress. Later in Greece, so they talk about so-called black emperors and empresses. In Greece and Turkey, we shall see clearer proof of unmixed Negroes. So we're talking about people in Greece and Turkey that weren't slaves, but they all had dark skin. So the original Greeks, the original Turks, all had dark skin. We shall see clearer proof of unmixed Negroes, a long line of them holding power as great or greater than those Roman ex-slaves. Whiteness of skin made it no easier for a slave. Fair British slaves, according to Cicero, were the least desirable. So remember, they they sold you according to skill. So a lot of these pale skinned slaves didn't have any skills, or they had inferior skills. So their their work was desired less. So this is why it pushed to enslaved someone of a melanated hue because many of them were of the land many of them could work the land right not from another land and many of them had extensive skills in fact the United States the only thing it's invented was the patent office because remember during slavery and all these inventions and they speak of all this shit in black history month why was all these inventions created by these so-called Africans (laughs) they were people already here of the land so they could create shit from the resources of the land so the United States creates the patent office and they steal all of the patents. You know the Alexander Graham Bells, the Garrett Morgans, and all, all that. Traffic light, telephone, all that shit was created by our people. The internet created by a Melanated person. All of these inventions. So it's it's showing you that you didn't enslave these poor downtrodden slaves. You enslaved scientists. You enslaved brilliant minds. People that were creating shit right so it it goes on to say whiteness of the skin made no easier for a slave fair British slaves according to Cicero were the least desirable of all the barbarians brought to Rome human nature being what it is there were undoubtedly animosities which had color of skin as the outward sign but it could not have been serious since the upper class unlike those of Haiti Venezuela or the United States Did not encourage them So it was saying that they didn't Enslave you based upon race They enslaved you based upon necessity If they conquered your particular land And enslaved the people of the land They would take the best talents To seek out The higher pay for them Interesting Hmm. Goes on to say In fact the racial variety Was so great that it was impossible to set off any one group as an American where white indentured servants was set against Negro one. In ancient Rome, a slave was valued according to his ability. Roman literature, though abundant, has very little on color prejudice, though Negroes were plentiful. In fact, the chief uh, passages used to prove color, apathy can be limited to three from only one writer, Jovino of the 2nd century AD, in attacking Roman wives for general misconduct, one of which elicit uh, sex relations with Negroes. He says that these uh, matrons are likely to bear black children, offspring of a color that one would rather not see of a morning. So he's speaking of a lot of this mixing of the race. And remember, they wanted those skills. So a lot of them would breed or mate with melanated people because they wanted their children to be of good character. They wanted their children to have some of those skills. They wanted those children to be those apprentices that could amass this wealth by way of their skill. But this is not all evidence of race prejudice. It was merely superstitious fear. The ancients were even stronger believers in omens than ourselves. The first thing they saw on arising in the morning was for many a sign of good or bad luck. For the day, for instance, black was a sign of mourning for them. Thus, some associated a black skin with that petty, with that pretty much as some persons today See, even as in black cats, right? Remember, everything so-called black was was uh, frowned upon, but but inferior. But you're talking about a particular race that was inferior themselves. So they pushed that so-called white supremacy shit later on. Is because they were true genetically inferior to us. Couldn't compete. <laughs> shit. Look at today. Look at all the sports and everything. We surpassed them in all of that. Golf. Shit. Pick a sport. But all of this stuff is reminiscent of the old times because in the Colosseums, we were the stronger gladiators. We were right. All of this. And they never forgot that. So in order to amass their wealth, we got to always enslave these people. We got to always keep them oppressed because out of that oppression, we could amass our wealth. Right. Friday the 13th right? is supposed to be negative, but 13th is actually one of God's numbers. Thirteen represents the number of the, the the number of the magician, right? So now thirteen, a lot of their uh, buildings, even in this country, they still practice that superstition. They don't have a thirteenth floor, right? Friday the thirteenth supposed to be bad luck, but it's really good luck, because you look at the the black term, right? When a, when a company's in the red, they owe money. When the company's in the black, they're up in profit henceforth black friday right a lot of black friday sales they make a lot of money off of so-called black people a lot of the country the companies they amass 90 percent of their profits during uh thanksgiving to new year's a lot of melanated people spend their money during this time and they pitch to us right all of this dealing with this black thing but it is a spell that they've cast uh jovino says again Your cups will be handed you by the bony hand of some more. So black you'd rather not meet him at midnight. This is clearly poetic extravagance. Romans had Negroes waiting on them by day when they be so afraid of their color at night when with their unlit streets, all cats were black at midnight. In fact, to have a number of Ethiopian slaves in one service was a sign of great luxury. See, when you had so-called black slaves, it showed that you was of wealth. Because, remember, the slave that had better skills cost more. See what's going on? So, a lot of them would want to be looked at as, I got the bag. You know what I'm saying? I'm of this particular class. So, they would seek out dark slaves. Not to mention that there wasn't wasn't so-called pale-skinned slaves. Yeah, they were. But their skills were inferior to ours. Did you understand the contrast? So, when they show a lot of this stuff historically, you think that it was only just so called melanated people enslaved when they enslaved whoever the fuck they found on the land that they conquered or stole. Continuing on. I.e., when they raided the Americas, they found all melanated people. And they were the people that they would choose to enslave. Because it would be very costly to go get millions of people from Africa. It makes no sense. You're from Africa. You've never been to this land. How do you work the land? How do you work the soil? Remember, the first so-called pale-faced settlers, they all died out in the colony Roanoke, Virginia. That was before the colony they started in Jamestown in 1619, right? We're keeping up on timeline. All of them died out because the settlers couldn't work the land, didn't know shit about the soil. So why would you take people from Africa that don't know nothing about the soil here? Why not just take the indigenous people of the land and just change their names? Right. That's how you hide their history and their culture. Bingo. Goes on to say, In fact, to have a number of Egyptian slaves in one service was a sign of great luxury in the imperial epoch. So much so that Babylon, that they were brought in droves to Rome. See, high demand. After the Egyptian conquest, it is clear that with so many Negroes about and their being of use to the superstition against black and their case might have amounted to no more than the belief about black cats among us. Even in America, where color prejudice was strong, many whites not only used them as intimate servants, but preferred them as wet nurses. Now keep in mind, if they hated you so much, why would they trust you in raising their child? Why would they trust you by putting your baby on a black titty, right? Because they knew that that uh, superior race or that superior bloodline could feed their child, right? Many of the the so-called pale women, the so-called white women, they couldn't even produce milk for their own babies. So you see a lot of paintings where these so-called black nannies and nursing these so-called white babies. Because that nourishment from a sister would actually strengthen that kid to where he could compete. He wouldn't be gene recessive. See the connection? Interesting, man. Besides, uh, blacks fetched a higher price than whites, according to Blair. It is therefore clear that the above were not signs of race prejudice, such as we see them today. Even greater than the superstition about black was that about left-handed persons. They were considered wicked, designing evil so much so, remember, they fear what they don't understand. So they saying if a person was left-handed, that person was evil. You know what I'm saying? Just look at the, the mindset of the times all of this stuff has to be taken into account. We cooking, we cooking. The third passage from Jovino reads, let the straight limped, uh, let the straight limbed mock the brandy legged, the white man sneer at the Ethiop. This passage does show some dislike for black skin, but the satirist, satirist uh, immediately follows up with something he considers worse, namely the conduct of one of Rome's noblest families, the Garci, the, Gar- the Garaci. He adds, but who could endure the Garaci sneering at sedition? Jovino is also far more severe against Greeks than against Negroes. He avoids Greeks above all others. He says he charged them with corrupting Rome manners, Roman manners, finally it must be remembered that jovino was a satirist and satire to be effective must exaggerate cicero also is supposed to have called an ethiopian coarse, dull or awkward come hose and comes stipend epithet but the authenticity of this is doubtful this is omitted from the best editions. on the other hand what he did say about white-skinned Britons was definite. He said they were so dull with it, one could expect from them no fine hand in music, literature, and the arts. So they talking about these inferior pale-skinned Romans that had no fucking talents, couldn't play music, so Mozart couldn't be of pale skin. Mozart had rhythm, had to be melanated. See, they speaking of these <laughs> pale slaves that had no skills and nobody wanted them so slowly but shortly this indentured servitude of the pale skinned so called white slave this stuff would die out and would become more popular to enslave the indigenous people of the land because they knew the land and you can get rich if you had these people in your possession interesting goes on to say another passage considered oh don't want to skip that part um yeah he said that they were so dull with it one could expect from them no fine hand in music, literature, and the arts. Uh tasks that expected of slaves, of course, Britons were the further away from civilization than numbers of Negroes, who as a result were more advanced. We were more advanced. But it is safe to say that Britons of the second or third generation born in Rome were no different from the average Roman. So now There's a a book by Arthur McRitchie, Ancient and Modern Brits, and it speaks of the melanated people that built the city of Britain, so-called black people. Now, as we continue on, we're going to come back for part two of this. Stay tuned. This is the Book Report series. I am your host, JF Bay. I'm just here to shine my light your way, to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. So don't go anywhere. We're going to come back after this break. Welcome back let's get into this part two you are tuning into the third eye high podcast the book report series let's get back into this nature knows no color line by J a Rogers fascinating stuff as we continue on we were speaking about uh, the particular slaves in Rome right another pass is considered uh, much significant by certain classical scholars as one uh, scribbled on the walls of a brothel in Pompeii. It reads, Candide, me Decut negres odias por elles. The literal translation of this is, a white girl taught me to hate black girls. Another scribblers of the time wrote underneath this, ordeo septero sed invidus ambu, this is generally translated as "You may hate them, but you will return to them." <laughs> Speaking of, out of out of darkness comes the light, right? Because everything originates from those of the true bloodline. In short, it is the very uh, fewness of anti-Negro statements that gives significance to those quoted. Certain classical scholars anxious to prove that whites were always prejudiced against Negroes have vastly exaggerated their importance again there is no record of any anti-negro riot in Rome able uh, Latin scholars at Snowden have been able to find none it is, ins- it is safe to conclude that in the great slave revolts as that under Spartacus all the oppressed, regardless of color, made common cause. Upper class whites and Negroes did the same. As in Greece, prejudice was strongest among amongst barbarians, regardless of color. In fact, the passage used to prove general uh, aversion for Negroes are nowhere as strong as they used by classical writers against non-Negroes. A scene is, condemned uh, Demosthenes for his uh, Sacrathean ancestry and uh, Sacthian were white and Sacrothians were whites. He says by his mother, he is a Sacthian, one who assumes the language of Greece, but whose abandoned principles betray his barbarous descent. Cicero attacked uh, Pison for his Gallic ancestry. His people reached Rome, said Cicero, on a Sicaro or Gallic cart. As for Cla- Cleopatra, whom many Nordics call white, one writer calls her golden hair and blue eyes. Even if she was that, was nothing at all in her favor. She was non-Roman, a barbarian that is a babbler, one whose language as Rome couldn't understand. That she was one of the most highly educated persons of her time didn't, didn't count either. Cicero wrote a uh, regimen, Odie, I hate the queen. Virgil called her marriage to Anthony a fatal monstrosity. While Horace himself of slave ancestry was of denunci- denunciatory was most denunciatory. After Caesar's death, Cleopatra had to fly back to Egypt for her life. There was also Bernice, Jewish queen. So it's talking about Cleopatra, also mixed. There also uh, was Bernice, Jewish queen. She was probably fairer in color than Cleopatra. But Emperor Titus could not marry her because she was an alien, foreign to the land. That's what he called an alien. Again, one finds greater dislike expressed for Greeks, uh, Caesarians, and Jews in Rome in Roman literature than for Negroes, the Jews especially. The Rome writers who attacked the Jews are Milan, Cicero, Horace, uh, Seneca, uh, Martial, Jovino, Parisis, Quintelius, Tacitus, Tachy- 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 T- uh, Apuleius, Celsius, Aman. Amanius Claudinus, and Rotilius, Numanusus. Cicero called them a people born to slavery and protected only by the contempt they inspired. Their religion, he said, was a barbarous superstition. Seneca called them a most outrageous nation. And we're talking about all of these different melanated people, but they wasn't referred to as black. But many of these people were mixed. A most outrageous nation. Uh, Celsius descendants of lepers and unclean persons. And emperors Claudius and Tiberius expelled them from Rome. And we're talking about these mixed bloods that wasn't pure Negroes. So they wasn't discriminating against pure Negroes. In fact, they were discriminating against these mixed races that later would be calling themselves something else, hiding their bloodline. And empress Claudinus and Tiberius expelled them from Rome and sent their young, and sent their young men to the provinces to be killed by war and hardship. If therefore there was similar strong dislike to Negroes, Would we not have known it too? Dislike for Jews was not based on race. Coming from the East, they were so dark that many Romans took them for Ethiopians. So the Jews they saw were so dark, they thought they was Ethiopians. (laughs) The original Jews was us too. See, we're looking at a, a large case of identity theft because all of these people of old were not called black people. So when you classify these descendants later as black people you separate them from the people of the past hide the identity make you think that they're two separate people if therefore there was similar strong dislike for negroes would not have known it too dislike for the jews was not based on race coming from the east they were so dark that many romans took them for ethiopians the objections were religious economic and political Finally, as oppressed excuse me, finally, as opposed to instances of color, aversion, are others showing none of it. Emperor August Augustus used to relax from affairs of state by playing marbles with Moorish children. Moorish children. We're talking about us being the descendants of the Moorish bloodline, all the same people. Moor was another name of Ethiopia. Also, figures of Negroes appeared of uh, ca- uh, cameos, bracelets, and other ornaments were born, by, were born by the wealthy and were of the ornament jars and other accessories of the dressing tables of Grand Dames. Pulaski mentions cameos which depicted Negroes with all of their elegance of the Imperial Epoch and, repro- and reproduced one such for his collection. Imagine the like being done by American slave masters and mistresses. Duray's city, Duray cites one Negro cleverly sculptured in polychrome now in the Louvre. It is over life-size and of jet black negro in gorgeous robes with hair twisted in the ethiopian style of the time so they talk talking about these majestic statues of these so-called black figures couldn't have been slaves the, the damn art was so pricey who was going to make a, a a pricey sculpture of a slave make it make sense it is oversized and of jet black negro in gorgeous robes with hair twisted in the Ethiopian style of the time. Babylon says that many uh, statuettes of Negroes in Rome and lists some of them. Snowden, too, gives other instances of lack of color prejudice. Most important proof of all, however, is that the worship of a black goddess, Isis, was very popular in Rome. Arnobius, after this, is the African of the 3rd century wrote The ISIS Burnt Black by the Ethiopian Sons. So they're talking about all this ancient art depicting melanated people that wasn't referred to as black slaves or none of that shit. All of this stuff was later propaganda pushed in so-called American literature. W.W. W., uh, Hyde says of ISIS, soon there were shrines wherever Rome Roman armies went. They had the shrine of ISIS. Traces of them have been found from Africa to Britain and from Spain to the Black Sea. So we talking about all of these lands continent to continent was worshipping a statue of ISIS. They made shrines of ISIS. A black goddess. Melanated goddess. Hmm. Interesting. ISIS had influenced the Greek world for eight centuries. From her was appearance in the Piraeus in the early 4th century BC and with Serapis and the Roman Empire for five. Unions, uh, licit and illicit, between whites and blacks were as free in Rome as it is in Europe of our time. Always and everywhere, says uh, Tenney Frank, a large part of the ore that furnished the material for race mixture was the oriental. A considerable part of the latter was Negro. Carcopino says, "Thus we find in the best families a veritable crossbreeding, like to that which white other slaveholding people have more recently submitted." Babylon says, "Lawfully mar- lawful marriages took place between Romans and Ethiopians." Saint Jer- Jerome, in his famous uh epistle mentions the marriage of Romans to Egyptians and also uh Saint Peter's right the the, the statue of Saint Peter's uh Saint Maurice the Moor Saint Peter's the more dark skin all of these saints that they depict all had dark skin now the Roman church would make statue figures and later turn them white but it still doesn't change history according to Jovino and uh martial adultery of roman matrons with negroes was common jovino advised the husbands not to take uh, abortive portions from their wives grieve not at this poor wretch he says and with thine own hand give thy wife the portion whatever it be for did she choose to bear her leaping children in her womb thou wouldest uh persons become the sire of an ethiope a blackamoor would soon be your sole heir. See what's going on? So a lot of these pale skins would have children with dark skin, with moors. So a lot of the heirs would later become mixed. And the more the mixing came, the fairer the skin became. But the more you seen these particular royal families that would later become the royals of today... They couldn't be royals unless they were connected to the Moorish bloodline. See what's going on? So then they got to hide the names of the Moors, right? They stopped calling you a Moor, then they called you a black moor Then they got rid of the term Moor and just started to call us Black. See what's going on? Marshall, in attacking wifely misconduct, mentions a Roman matron who bore her husband seven children, none of which is of his race. (laughs) Damn, so homie's wife then has seven children by a moor, all of the babies come out with dark skin. How'd she explain that? (laughs) Couldn't stay away. He says, one of them with woolly hair like a moor, seems to be the son of Sandra, the cook. The second was flat nose and thick lips is the image of Panicus, the wrestler of two daughters, one is black, and belongs to Kratos, the flute player. So, homie's wife was sleeping with all of the goddamn people. All of the melanated people. It's crazy. Like, so homie's wife done had seven kids. None of the kids belong to him. (laughs) He was an inferior bloodline. She said, I'd rather fuck the cook. I'd rather fuck the flute player. Like, (laughs) maybe i get a talent from one of these people crazy and they still hold this same ideology today you gotta have you gotta be a little mixed to have some rhythm you you, you see what's going on here why they why they push that stuff later the the intermingling and the mixing of the races when they act like we don't want to mix with them when the further you go back on their bloodline you're gonna see that they all was mixed because their genes were recessive and they were dying out as a people this is during slavery and all this shit. So, continuing on. Julius Caesar had a love affair with Enoah, a Moorish, that is, Negro queen, wife of King Bardouis of Morocco. Cleopatra had a son for him and three children for Anthony. All See, all of this mixing. But all of these so-called royals at the time, they had to mix with Moorish blood. Then they had to hide the names of the Moors and rename them Negro Africans. From African America, wherever the fuck that is. (laughs) There seems to be no proof of Cleopatra's real color, but according to European tradition, she was black. Or so-called melanated, right? Because of the time, they wasn't calling people black. But for sake of conversation, we'll say that she's black. But to quote one of our great scholars of our time, Dr. John Henry Clark, he says, I didn't say Cleopatra was black. I quoted someone else who inferred that. But he says she was an African. So I'll let you put two and two together. Shakespeare so describes her and certain jewels of the Renaissance shows her as a Negro woman robert ripley who says he has proof of it all believe it or not right the guy who created uh ripley's believe it or not says that she was fat and black dark skin right black's not an identity a reason for saying she was white though as an egyptian is that she was of pure greek ancestry see that's where they perpetrate they show you these uh so-called white greek statues you think everybody in greece was so-called white but the original Greeks had dark skin. Henceforth, Cleopatra had dark skin. A reason for saying was white she was white was that an Egyptian is that she was of pure Greek ancestry. The latter is not so. Her father, Ptolemy, sometimes called Ptolemy uh, the, the tenth, right? The ninth, was known as the bastard. See, they don't tell you who his parents were because they were melanated dark skin remember I told you all these people they show me these eight ancient Greek philosophers and Aristotle and Plato all melanated people Those, those statues that they perpetrate of these pale white skinned people that was somebody they commissioned to create the damn sculpture all cap big cap his mother was a slave and his portrait does show negro ancestry talking about uh ptolemy uh popularity popularity in excuse me particularly in the thickness of his lips so you can't hide those 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 uh features man those features show that they were melanated that's why they knocked the sto- the noses off the statue of the sphinx and all this other shit in egypt because it was showing you melanated people dark skin can't hide those same features four lips broad noses same features we got today So it serves to say we are the same people of the past. Old world, new world. And the way they created the new world was to whitewash the royal bloodlines of the old world. And to make you think that all these people were just slaves. His portrait does show Negro ancestry. Particularly in the thickness of his lips. This is also true of Alexander II. Also a Ptolemy. See what's going on? All melanated people, Roman matrons who bore mulatto children, charged it to the maternal impression. A theory was which uh, Quintalitan, famous orator, defended so strongly that one was freed on a charge of adultery. Hmm, so if you had sex with a slave or sex with someone outside of your marriage bear to chill a child with them you could kind of be broken out of your contract hmm so the women was uh, okay 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 the women were marrying into royalty by getting some of that Moorish bloodline hmm interesting another school however held that maternal impressions was a fraud uh cal uh calpurnius Flaticus orator of the first century, discussed it pro and con. In his ep- epitus of Ethiopian birth, he marks the white wife who has a mulatto child to death. Child says, tell them, tell me, then did I love a Negro? She says she did not and asserts that the, elef- that the element of change may affect a great deal within the womb. Of the child's color, she says. So she's saying I I, I didn't sl- I didn't sleep with somebody with dark skin. The baby's uh, skin color just changed in the womb. <laughs> yeah. I... Uh, Tell me, then, did I did I love a Negro? She says she did not, and asserts that the element of chance may affect a great deal within the womb. Of the child's color, she says. You see their skin scorched by an imperfection of the blood. As was said, the main issue in these trials was not race mixture, but adultery. See, how could she prove that she didn't cheat on her husband? How could she disprove it if the baby comes out a different color than this nigga? And she's saying, oh, it's some, you know, imperfections in the blood or this this just happened by chance when, nope they would know by the features of the child because the child comes out with features of that of a Moor. in africa race mixture was taking place too but we find it more harshly criticized doubtless it was necessary to preserve there a fairer skin as a symbol of authority and as it was in american colonies as in south africa claudine uh, A.D. 360-408 Raged against the race mixture That went on under Gialdo Gialdo the Moor Ruler of Africa So they keep saying You came from Africa But they're referring to these Africans as Moors Same people Because we were the same uh, Characteristics On this continent As well as that continent Similar features Gildo the Moor, ruler of Africa, appointed by Emperor Valentinian. He says that Gildo, when tried of each noblest matron, matron's hand, hands her over to the Moors. When tired of each noblest matron, hands her over to the Moors. He was passing around shorties. (laughs) Crazy. These uh, Sidonian mothers married in Carthage, in Carthage City, must needs mate with barbarians he thrust upon me an ethiopian as a son-in-law the hideous hybrids affects ephrites the cradle among the fathers of these hideous hybrids her names the berbers who according to modern ethnologists were whites were white here again it is cleverly a case of barbarian prejudice rather than race prejudice so remember they refer to the Moors as the, Be- the Berbers, the Arabs, and a lot of people keep thinking that these are white Arabs and all these people. We're talking about these mixed bloodlines that mix with the original bloodline of the Moors, dark skin. These people in Morocco, this fairer, fairer skin, they are just mixed descendants of us with the darker skin. But skin isn't of a bloodline. But for sake of conversation, this is why we're speaking this way. There are good reason to believe that certain negroes and near negroes, right? That's what they called the mixed race, near negroes, cuz remember, even in America, they 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 had something called the one drop rule. If you had one drop of negro blood, you were a negro. It's before they had the mulatto terms and the quadroons and all these different names that they mentioned cuz Abraham Lincoln was also mixed. Wooly hair. Big facts. There are good reasons to believe that certain Negroes and near Negroes rose to be Roman emperors. Indications of this are in the surnames, which were often given them according to some physical characteristics. It is likely, therefore, that Roman families or descendants of them bearing names generally given Negroes. See what's going on? We're looking at a case of identity theft. In this book, they show you a lot of the coat of arms. The coat of arms were like the the family crest, right? The seal of the family. So what they perpetrated on us in this so-called slavery story with all these slave movies that you took on the master's name, that your last name was the slave master's name when in fact, your last name was of the original family bloodline and these white people took on your name to make it seem like that their name was your name. See what's going on? If you were traced back to these family bloodlines, This is why you say, well, damn, how would all these white people have the same last name as me? (laughs) Because many of them didn't have the last name. They married into the family. Many of them merged into the bloodline. So it looked like that they owned your family and then named you after them. Not so. The shit was really in reverse. And if you look at a lot of these coat of arms from these so-called royal families, you're going to find a black face on all of their coat of arms their, their crests, their shields. So all of these dukes and all of these royal families, the tours that they show, the, the, the white um, TV show they play on Netflix, and they show all these royal families as being of pale skin. That's only possible in Hollywood movies because all of the coat of arms show dark-skinned people. Man, this shit is powerful. Let's get back. Let's read that again. It is likely, therefore that Roman families or descendants of them, bearing names generally given to Negroes, originated as such. In Rome, Negroes were the first called Ethiopes. The Romans took that name from the Greeks who took it from the Africans. Later, more seemed to have come into fashion. This too was an African word imported into Greek to describe black people. That is Moranos, black. The word Mauritania in Greek meant black. We're all talking about people with dark skin, melanated people. So when they referred to you as a Moor, they were just talking about the original indigenous inhabitants of the land we showed up to. And these people had dark skin. So later they would call us black Moors. Then they would cut the word Moor off because it would connect you to the royal bloodline, your vast estate, these ancient empires of the old world because they're creating the new world. So they stopped calling you more, then blacker more, and then just started calling you black. And blacked out your history. See what's going on? Because of the time, black denoted to an unknown ancestry. Before 1969, if you called someone black, you would have a fucking fistfight on your hands. Because it was derogatory. Kind of like the word mulatto. Look at the artist, the little rap artist Mulatto. She called herself Miss Mulatto. Help! Oh, can't open no wounds in history. She had to change her name to Big Lotto had to take that mulatto shit off because that wasn't a a, a a term of pride. It was derogatory. And these terms came by way of the census records. So many of us were free indigenous people, the true Americans. But every 10 years, they would record the census records and they would say, we got so, so and so amount of colored people, so and so amount of Negroes, so and so amount of mulattoes. And then later it all changed to just these niggas are descendants from Africa. So these slaves and population didn't come by way of ships. They came by way of legislation. Stroke with a motherfucking pen. And it's crazy because there was a fire in the early 1800s that depicted a lot of us being free, property owners. They destroyed the records and then the next census record recorded all these people as being ex-slaves. Landless. Poor. And the government was able to steal your land take your land deeds and declare your shit as public domain and this happened in my own family my great great uncle William Brown founded a town called Brownstown in Merlin 1868 three years after slavery ended so if he was a slave and his family was a slave where the fuck did he get the money get the money to buy an entire town and they speak of the people of the fair skin that married into the family and usurped the land and this was happening all throughout the country to our people—they perpetrated that 400-year slavery story on us. When half the country wasn't even a part of the colonies. You talking about free lands? Louisiana, Florida, California? Which is crazy. California is the first uh, state that's talking about giving reparations. They want to give 230,000, which is all a ploy because they owe you a <laughs> uh, uh, several trillion dollars per person. Let alone fucking 200, 200 bands hundred thousand bands but that's a, a play to see let's throw something out there to see if they bite when you are really the landlords of this land and that national debt clock is really what they owe us indigenous people that's the ticket they owe big facts remember they print the money so it ain't the money per se it's the resources it's the land. The true value is the land. Because they didn't classify you as a free white person unless you own property. I.E. land. Land owners were the ones who actually had a vote that counted. Everybody else is just mere cosmetic. Man, this is some powerful shit. Let's continue on, guys. Um, the word Niger, right? Came to be, came to mean black. Originally... The Latin for black were eter, but later the term became interchangeable. This sure seems, this uh, seems sure. Niger is not originally Latin. As Leakey says in his uh, dissertation of the Niger, more than one celebrated writer have given, have fallen into the error of supposing Niger, a Latin word. Two other terms were efer from Africa, another African word, according to Gerald Massey and others, and uh, fuscus. In In the motorium, the skin of one Negro woman is described as fusca, fusca color. Are we to assume that the same word was used for brunette, which as for very dark Negroes? Remember, when they refer to somebody as a blonde, right? They're talking about a description. Then a a brunette, we're talking about black hair. All of these were descriptions, but they weren't uh, national identities. We're talking about they classified people by description. And this shit was all cat. But at the time, this wasn't how this was going. But in order to hide a people, you just keep changing their name. In order to steal their land, you keep telling them they're not from this land. Big facts. You keep saying you're from Africa, per se, 52 nations in Africa. Why don't you know which one they took you from? Because you was already here on the land. Not to separate you from the family on the continent of Africa. We're not saying that we're not family with them, but we saying we on this side of the water, And this land belongs to us. Big facts. Goes on to say, um, incidentally, if it did not if it did would it not nullify still more the contention of those who hold there was prejudice against blacks it would be equivalent to calling the brunettes white negroes today <laughs> as regards Afro there is much dispute some hold it applies to white people but with the vast number of negroes in rome what proof have we that African was not used the same as now. See what's going on? When they refer to somebody as an African, you might not even be from Africa. They're just referring to the people they saw in Africa that had dark skin. See what's going on? You might be in Greek, in Greece and you had dark skin and they referred to you as an African because maybe they think that only people with dark skin are from Africa. But you are indigenous to all the continents. See how you make somebody non-descendable? You just say they from somewhere else. Call them an African. (laughs) Call them an African-American. But why do they still call you an African-American? Why are they still uh, not tying you to Africa or America when you're just the true American? Webster's Merriam Dictionary, 1878, the definition for American, the copper-colored races, copper-colored races, a description, brown skin. Copper-colored races here before Columbus arrived, later a cha- later changed to the descendants of Europeans. They traded places with you. <laughs> Big facts. Uh, where are we? Okay. Um, as regards Afro, there is much dispute. Some uh, hold it applies to white people. But with the vast number of Negroes in Rome, what proof... Have, have we that African was not used the same as now? For instance, in the Mortem, which is ascribed to Virgil, Afra, which is a form of *Afer*, is used in the description of a Negro woman, which some modern races hold is, a, is typical of Negroes. Translated, it reads, O African race, whose whole appearance bears witness to our native land, with woolly hair, thick lips, dark of hue. Now it is likely that after such a description, Afro would also be used for white people. Because remember, we're talking about these mixed races that they might have had pale skin, but Negro features. See what's going on? Henceforth Queen Charlotte. Henceforth Queen Elizabeth. Henceforth all of these fake royals. that that mingled into the bloodline and hid the bloodline and hid your bloodline. Many of these so-called whites don't know their own family history before the 1800s because many of their people lied to them. Lied to them about their family names. Big facts. Among Moors who rose to great power were Emperors uh, Macrinus. Firmus, and Ila- Emilianus, Lucinus, Quintinus, foremost military figure of the Trojans reign, and named by Trojan as his successor, was a Moor. So when they show you the Trojan Wars and all that shit, and the Troy movie, all of these were melanated people. And these pale skins put themselves in the story only by way of Hollywood movie. See what's going on? Because a pictures were of a thousand words. So they can rewrite history by showing you all of these doctored up movies on the big screen. Henceforth, they leave you in a state of suspended animation by keep showing you another fucking slave movie. Right? They had Will Smith starring in the slave movie in 2023. Salute to my people that didn't want to go see that shit. We are a slave movie the fuck out because we're done with the propaganda, manji. We know that we of this land. We know that we are the original American. We are the original inhabitants of all the lands because they didn't steal the people from the land. They stole the land from the people. Let's be clear. So was Gieldo. Gieldo, ruler of Africa under Emperor Valentinian. Among the Nigers are emperors, Per uh, Percinius Niger, Aquilius Niger, Beritius Niger. These all emperors of Niger. Uh, Q Callelius Niger, Novius Niger, and a legal counselor of the imperial family, named Niger, who accompanied the sister of Emperor Octavius, Anthony, who had deserted her. For Cleopatra all these melanated people they talk about Tiberius uh, no Trebius Niger was of pro pro in Spain and a naturalist mentioned by Philonene a Niger was an authority of Materia Medicia and is mentioned by Galen and and Callius Aurelius among the noted Aphros and Dominius Afro-Orator Tarentius after or Orbeus after christian writer. All melanated people. A scholar of African birth who taught rhetoric at Rome in the middle of the fourth century with so much reputation that his statue was erected in the Forum of Trojan. All these statues of melanated people, how could they have been slaves? can't hide the true history once you start looking finally as regards racial amalgamation in rome this is certain that the vast hordes of slaves foreign soldiers and captives blonde brute yellow brown black brought into rome from about 500 bc to 350 a.d or for over 800 years finally merged to form the italian people about the fifth century as uh, about the latter period, two great masses of white barbarians, the Visigoths and the ostrogoths and the Vandals from the North East swept down on Italy there to mingle their blood with the already mixed people. Following these whites, we shall see in the next chapter great numbers of Africans, mostly Negroids, came into the 8th century to add to their mixture." Now there's a movie True Romance starring Christopher Walken and there's a scene where they speak of how the Sicilians came to be when he's saying the Moors moved into Italy and they, he said the Moors did so much fucking with those uh, pale skinned women that uh, pale skin, blonde hair and blue eyes turned to brown eyes and black uh, brown eyes and black hair and dark skin that's why the Sicilians are of a very dark hue Different than a lot of the Italians. But you look at a lot of the flags, you'll find Moors' heads on the flags. You'll find a lot of Moorish architecture in the lands. You can't hide the influence of the people, and the Moors were melanated people. That's why they don't refer to us as Moors today, because you got claim to all the lands on multiple continents. That's a lot more than reparations that they're trying to pitch off to you, huh? So they can't connect you back to these royal bloodlines. But they only disconnect you by calling you a misnomer that they keep changing every week. Interesting. Huh, let's go on. Racial intermixture in Spain and Portugal. Now keep in mind, before it was called Spain, it was Al Andalus and it was ruled by the Moors for 800 years. Gotta keep that in context. Uh, while white vandals were pouring into Africa in the fourth and fifth century, Africans continued to arrive in the southern in southern Europe, chiefly as slaves. But in 711 AD, they came into as conquerors, see, conquering shit, enslaving other races. Crossing into Spain, they captured Gibraltar, right, the Rock of Gibraltar, and defeated the Goths, the Visigoths, white Germanic invaders of three centuries earlier. Their commander, Tariq, a Negro, a Moor, gave his name to Gibraltar, formerly Kalp. These Africans were Moors, sometimes called Arabs. Same people, not the so-called Arabs you see today in the bodegas and the delis and shit. Not those people. You know what I'm saying? They're a different class, later mixed people. We talking about the original Arabs, dark-skinned. These Africans were Moors, sometimes called Arabs because of their language, right? See, we spoke Arabic, but we spoke many languages. We spoke a language called Moorish Latin, which is outlawed today. But a lot of the American laws and the law books, they're all written in Latin. So who created the laws? Moors. These Africans were Moors, sometimes called Arabs because of their language. To the earlier Greeks, the Moors were a black or dark people, Moranos, And the Romans, Morenos. A black, woolly-haired people, known synonyms- synonymously as Ethiopes, Niger, Negro, and Ephra, African. Even as later as the 5th century AD, Procopius, Roman historian, calls the people of Morocco black. Now remember, earlier in the book report series, Columbus's quest to find Jerusalem. In Columbus's diary, he speaks of the people he saw when he came to the Americas. Oh my God, these women have their heads wrapped in Moorish garb like the women, the Moorish women of Spain. So he saw Moors in America like the ones he saw in Spain like the ones they saw in Africa. Same description of the people in all the lands. See what's going on? They didn't take no people from Africa. We just look like the same people they saw in Africa. So it was a good con to just say we stole these niggas from another land. So they'll never have claim to the land. Then we change their name, we hide their history and their culture, and we make them non-descendable. People that can't never get back to their home. Because they don't know where their home is. But, as in The Wizard of Oz, what happened with Dorothy? She found out she was home the whole goddamn time. A lot of symbology in that movie, too. See, so they hide a lot of this stuff in their Hollywood movies. But they tell on themselves because... There is a spiritual factor in play that, you know, the, a lot of these movies have to get made to wake up some DNA. So even when they even when they doing fucked up, they're actually doing the will of the most high because it's all going to balance out in the end. After the second century B.C. begins invasions of white people into Morocco. That's where you got the mixing of the races where you see the very fair skinned people in Morocco of today. And you think it was just Arabs and we not those Arabs and this and that when... We talking about the darker skinned people that were whitewashed out of history. About the second century BC began invasions of white people into Morocco. The Romans who called it Mauritania came in and it is to be presumed that their soldiers mixed with Moorish women. Julius Caesar himself had a Moorish queen as sweetheart. Later came the Vandals a white people who were, for a time, allies with the Moors against Rome. Still later came Islamic invaders, whose ancestors for 30 centuries had been a mixture of white and black. Due to these invasions of lighter-colored people, the Moors of the 8th century AD were probably about the color of the native population of Casablanca, or Fez. In fact, if one goes by the description of white writers and painters, the Moorish invaders were of the whole very black. Dark skin. Man, this is powerful. We're going we to stop there. We're going to stop there. Because I, I want to save some for the book. I want you guys to get the gist of this book. Yeah, it speaks of the Tours, It speaks of Christendom. It also speaks of Othello, right? Now, they speak of Othello, the Moor, right? This was a play written by Shakespeare. Shakespeare was also a Moor, dark-skinned. So now, Othello is a story of, you know, a brother that's marrying into a family. Well, his his wife-to-be or his girl that's going to become his wife. His best friend plays a trick on him that she cheats on him. He ends up killing her, right, and kills himself. So now, the story of Othello... They remake this movie and they put it out in the 90s. There's a movie called Othello. You guys should check out, starring Lawrence Fishburne, because they gotta get a Moor to play a Moor. Then they remake the same movie, Othello. They call it O. The movie O, short for Othello, was played by Makai Pfeiffer. So they played two so-called, they have two so-called black actors playing Moors in a movie. Is still waking up you to the history but if you never uh, been referred to as a more you don't see the connection in the movie Dark Knight with Martin Lawrence all through the movie they're calling him a more he said what's this more word you keep calling me but the movies called Dark Knight keyword Dark Knight as in the description of someone's skin color dance well more 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 they called him a more all through the movie and he couldn't understand it but remember this is how Hollywood plays They're going to show you the truth, hide it in plain sight. But once you know what you're looking for, you start to wake up that DNA to understand that you connected to these same people, i.e. one and the same. We're going to get this story right. And the more I introduce uh, books for you guys to put into your library in this uh, book report series, uh, the broader this mosaic becomes, right? We get to see this collage of truth. We all can stand back and look at this big picture to understand that your history was hidden and stolen from you, but it's all hidden inside the books. It's hidden in the literature. Want to hide something from a nigga? You put it in a book. They know that in the times we're in today, the information age, we have so much information accessible to us, but people are not reading. Everybody Googling shit. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? But like, you got to go back to these these old books because the dope part about books you got bibliography you're not going to just take my word for it you can go back and cross-reference what i'm putting down and that's the point of it that's how we get to it now if i show you something in a movie the scene is is shot as is how do you know if i'm lying or not how, how do you research the movie if, if they don't give you any bibliography so you have to get into the literature so I do the book report series to encourage our people to get back into that. Remember during slavery, they would kill you for learning how to read because they knew that once you started to figure out how to read or reading comprehension, you would start to uncover the truth that's hidden in the books because before they enslave the people in order to steal the land from the people, you got to hide the history of the land. The people are from. So, when they created many of these wars and these wars were started and they were enslaving and conquering our people. Remember we had the world's largest libraries, the library of Salamanca, the, the library of Alexandria. So during these wars, they had to burn the books. They had years of book burnings because remember the church of Rome Vidi Vedi Vici in this sign we conquer. So in order to conquer a people, and rewrite the Bibles and all this other stuff, you gotta bury the old literature. So they had years and years of book burnings. Because remember, the people was reading back then. They wasn't Googling shit. They didn't have Google, you know what I'm saying? So we gotta get back to being astute readers. We gotta get back to searching for the truth because the truth shall set you free, right? And it's all buried in the books, the ones they couldn't burn. Because the thing about a book, now movie, I could depict whatever I want on the screen, I could be lying to you, lying to your subconscious, but when you read something, you're going on your own journey of the mind, right, you're going in your own contemplative interpretation that nobody can take from you, and once you absorb that knowledge from the book, you can't unread something once you read it, you become forever changed with that knowledge that you obtain, so Reading is definitely fundamental, you know what I'm saying? Reading is definitely fundamental, but knowledge is power, right? But knowledge applied becomes power. You can't just say you're this greatness if you don't understand the greatness you're connected to. We got to let go of this fake slavery story. We got to, they do owe for making a lot of our ancestors prisoners of war. But you got to understand why those wars were waged and what was happening while this war was going on. Until next time, I am your host, JF Bay, and I'm just here to shine my light your way, to help you find your light switch and keep your light lit. This is the Third Eye High Podcast. We deal with a higher consciousness of a flyer culture. I give thanks for everyone tuning in. You spent your most highest form of currency. You paid attention, so i give thanks. I'm compensated. If you want to Give another form of donation, you can subscribe to the podcast. Third eye high on all podcast streaming platforms. Share the podcast. If you want to send a monetary donation, Dollar Sign Far Out Flow is my Cash App. Dollar Sign Far Out Flow. F-A-R-O-U-T. F-L-O-W is the Cash App. But as I said, I'm compensated in many forms. Continue to keep your third eye high. Peace, love, and more light. Give thanks.